Six weeks ago, Israel confronted evil on a scale not witnessed in the modern era. Although comparisons to the Holocaust came front and center, there is a distinct difference. Hitler needed to hide the concentration camps and gas chambers from the public. The soldiers drank and medicated themselves to drown the pain. Hamas, in turn, celebrated burning babies, beheadings, rape, and torture. They called their parents and relatives in the middle of these heinous acts as proud children, knowing how much this would be celebrated back in their homes. The world is regressing, descending into a spiraling malaise that shows no promise of reformation or turning this around. According to scripture, this will not be stopped, but will continue to excel and become more rampant because the Antichrist will eventually take power. Conversely, Jesus stated, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. In Luke 13, he informed his disciples through a parable that taught simple instructions, occupy until I return. If the global ecclesia is to fulfill its commission and occupy, we need to be armed to the teeth with his word, power, and anointing. Join us as we break down the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in one session so that all may understand where we are, how we got here, where we are going, and what happens when we leave this earth in Occupy Until He Comes, unveiling the mystery of the Bible. everybody, my name is Mark. You're watching or listening to The Russick Outlook. Again, thank you so much for joining. I very much appreciate your time. I trust that this will be time well spent. Uh, the, the title or the topic for today is Occupy Until I Come, the words of Jesus. And, and I'll, I'll paraphrase it with unlocking the mystery of the Bible. Uh, the reason for this and the reason that we're going to get into this, and I'll tell you right up front, um, we're going to cover the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and we're going to do it in one session. I know that's hard to believe, but I'll tell you the reason for this. The recent developments in Israel uh, with the uh, Israeli war with Hamas and Gaza and certainly in, in the northern front and Hezbollah and the Houthis in Yemen and so forth, and, and the centerpiece of uh, that being the uh, Iranian ayatollahs and the, and the government there— I firmly believe that this is a very, very significant development as far as the prophetic timeline. Uh, I, I cannot equate this with any time in human history. And, and the reason I say that is not only because of the brutality, but the rise of anti-Semitism, which is a forerunner for the, the last days and, the, and leading up to what is called the tribulation. Um, we've seen this you know, let, let's say, take it for example, in, in World War II in Nazi Germany and Poland and other areas of Eastern Europe, um, it was centered in, in a certain geographic location. We now see anti-Semitism on a global scale, the likes of which this world has never seen, the vehement hatred uh, for people calling for the elimination uh, and removal of the Jewish people from the, from the earth. And again, I know, you know, if, if you're watching or listening, you're very familiar with what's happening in the news. Um, but just consider that you had over 100,000 in London and a couple of hundred thousand in Paris. And I'm in America. And certainly, you know, we, we've seen this from New York to Los Angeles. 
and, and all around the world it's happening. Um, I will say, thankfully, many are standing and standing with a moral compass and courage. But the reason that I want to get into this is uh, I need to, if, if we're going to be prepared, we being the church, um, and to carry the Great Commission and to preach the gospel uh, to, to the world, we need to be armed and equipped with the Word of God. Shouldn't be any surprise there. But sadly, you know, so many uh, people and so many uh, members of the church, whether it's different uh, denominations of evangelicals, Protestants, Catholics, they're not familiar with or they've either not been exposed, it's not been taught in the pulpit, ignorance, apathy, whatever you want to call it. So many people are ambivalent to what is happening in the world and how that lines up with what the Word of God said would be the, the, the signs of the last days leading up to the eventual return of Jesus. So for that reason, specifically, I, I want to break down the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and, and we can do this in one session, I promise you. It's, and I'm, I'm not trying to minimize the, the vastness and the depth and the beauty of the Word of God, but I want to focus in on... Um, the, the history, but I'm really, the emphasis will be where we are today in the world, what's happening, what the Bible said would be happening and how that corresponds, and what's around the corner. Uh, you know, what is the immediate um, return, and I don't mean the return of Jesus, I mean the return of what will be happening in the earth before the return of Jesus, and that could be potentially tomorrow, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Um, I personally don't think it'll be more than 10 years, but you know, I'm, I'm not setting any, any, any dates. But what we see, it could certainly be less than that. And even if it is 10 years, that's a very, very short period of time that people need to get their lives in order and be right with the Lord because all will come before the Lord. All will face the Lord, and there won't be any anything that we can say where, oh, I didn't know, I wasn't aware, or this or that. You know, God is the ultimate judge. So for that reason, that's how I came about this. And I will say, and, and I say this humbly, I, I always pray and seek the Lord for what I would teach on, but I really felt he was guiding me in this because we're going to, uh, near the second half of this video, we're going to be interweaving a lot between uh, the call of Israel from, from the Lord and the Gentiles, uh, us, and it's going uh, it, to—there's a tapestry that God has woven. So uh, before I begin any further, just if you wouldn't mind, I would very much appreciate whatever platform you're on, please hit the like and the subscribe button. It really helps us get that information out. This is ultimately what we are trying to do. Um, and, and also subscribe to the channel, YouTube, Rumble, uh, all the podcast platforms. Um, leave us a rating uh, and share the information. If you find this information valuable, please share it. And, and I will say one of the reasons behind this is to not only encourage you as a believer, but hopefully equip you with information that maybe you can share with others, that you can um, take time in that, whether it's a, around a dinner table, a coffee shop, a break at work, whatever, that you have some more information uh, that, that you can share the love of Jesus and how significant and important these days are. So, uh, uh, oh, and also, please, if you could, I'm sorry, uh, go to the rusticoutlook.com and join up, uh, sign up for our email list. We'll notify you of uh, events and things that are happening there. So let me, let me cut to this real quick. So occupy until I come, because that was the words of Jesus. 
and I'll show you where that happens uh, later on in this teaching, um, because it's almost militaristic, um, but also what we're going to find is um, there, there is a great mystery to the, the Bible, to the church age that, that God revealed, and, and that's really what we're going to break down. So, as I said in the very beginning, the Israeli war and the, the, uh, with Hamas and the implications of that. So I'm just going to put up another slide. Uh, the level of uh, anti-Semitism we talked about, um, the Holocaust with the concentration of anti-Semitism in Nazi Germany is now global. And, you know, the final scene of the age is the entire world marching and coming against Israel. We see this in Zechariah 12, Joel 3, certainly in Revelation, uh, as, as well as Daniel and, and Ezekiel, and in the, the Ezekiel 38-39 coalition. So the, the, I have the scripture of Zechariah here, um, 12-3, where it says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem an intoxicating cup. To all surrounding nations, when they come, when when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, on that day when the nations of the earth are gathered against her, for I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move Jerusalem uh, will injure themselves. And again, Zechariah twelve three. And to the right of that, I see just uh, um, uh, a figure uh, of what would potentially be the type of antichrist that will arrive on the scene. So all of this, you know, you see the stage being set for not only the elimination of the Jewish people, but also the capture of Jerusalem, the occupation of the Temple Mount, which is the crucial focal point for what will be leading up to the tribulation and the midpoint, and we're going to cover that. But also the Antichrist will, will be arriving on the scene uh, just as we begin this seven years, and he's going to strike a peace treaty with Israel. So if you think about this, this really centers on instability in the world, both economically, geopolitically, um, uh, geographically, and you see the world coming against Israel now. You see, you know, the, the, the pieces are moving in place, and that Antichrist figure will come on the scene and say, I've got it, I've got the solutions. There'll be a supernatural um, uh, move on him, the, 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 not only the Antichrist, but eventually, and Satan will be, uh, at some point, uh, he will indwell him, and then all of the different um, demonic forces of evil that will accompany this. And this has all been foretold, and we're going to get into it. But my point is, the, sa the stage is being set. There is a lack of leadership. There is a lack of cohesion. And this figure will be able to pull all the countries of the world, or most of them, uh, together and, and strike a peace deal. So that's why I say what we see in <coughs> Israel today, excuse me, is, is so important because it's, it's setting that stage. Additionally, when I say Ezekiel 39-39 coalition, as this is happening, um, Israel has, I'm sorry, Russia has welcomed the leadership of Hamas coming in from uh, Qatar and having meetings uh, and, and what I'm assuming are some um, military um, strategy sessions with them. They've been supplying them with arms. We've, we've seen as the Israelis have gone into Gaza, you see um, uh, guns and, and, and warfare and, and um, military weapons, I'll say. You see them from Russia, Iran, North Korea, and America. Uh, they have identified... Um, 
uh, warfare or, 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 yeah, warfare from Afghanistan, from what we left in Afghanistan. So it's, it's, you see the world almost, you know, the weaponry of the world is being supplied in this area and, and, and others. So again, the stage is being set, and now you have Russia, Iran, and now Turkey has broken relations and um, has taken a very vehement stance against Israel. September, it was trying to come closer to Israel. Uh, this is uh, um, the president of, of, of Turkey, Erdogan. And it, it's, again, the stage is being set. So what you see from this war, and it was, you know, pieces were being put in place beforehand, but it's now becoming, you know, more in your face, more obvious. And, you know, the, 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 the players are, are lining up exactly as the Bible says. So because of this, we need to be armed with the word of God. And, I, you know, Jesus saying, occupy until I come. We have to know what the word is. And so many, unfortunately, do not. So I'm going to do my best to break this down. And I'm going to use what I'm sure many of you are familiar with called dispensations. So let me, let me kind of lay something out here. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is God laying out time periods in simple ways, and I, I say this is kind of the eschatological timeline of the Bible. And it means the divine ordering of the affairs of the world, an appointment, arrangement, or favor as by God. It is a divinely appointed order or age, and we have two aspects of it, being the old Mosaic or Jewish dispensation and the new gospel or Christian dispensation. So this is what we're going to cover. So now I'm going to show you how these dispensations are broken down. And, you know, whether, whether you're just maybe even a little familiar with the Bible or, you know, you know some things, a lot of this you'll, you'll have been at least familiar with you, the terms. Um, and, and hopefully this will kind of make sense. And then, again, the emphasis is going to be leading upon up until where we are today in the church age. So the seven dispensations, seven being the perfect number of the Lord, begins with innocence, and that began in the Garden of Eden, and it ended with the fall. We all know about the, the, the sin. And then it went to consciousness, and this is where every man did right in his own eyes. And, and this is really the reason for the flood, the evil that was predominant throughout the earth. Uh, we know this from Genesis 6. This is the rise of the Nephilim and the um, uh, indwelling of evil throughout the earth, which caused the flood. Then from the flood to Abraham, we had the, uh, the government was, was put into place, and that ended at the Tower of Babel. Uh, again, you know, or Babel, Tower of Babel, everybody is very, very much familiar with that. The next came the uh, patriarchs, which is Abraham to Moses. And this is with Abraham, God established the Jewish nation. It is the only nation that, that starts with an act of God. Israel was created by God. All the other nations were created by man. So just pause for a second, especially if you're not a believer. Um, why would the world be coming against Israel, this tiny, tiny nation, uh, roughly the size of New Jersey, why would they be coming against it? And, and I'll tell you why. It's because it is the, uh, and it is the tip of, of, it's on the tip of the nose of Satan. And, and because he knows the end, he knows he's been given the death sentence. So throughout history, he has been trying to remove and eliminate the Jewish people. Um, so that, that's where you have the patriarchs. Then you have the law. 
which was uh, uh, from Moses right up until Pentecost, which was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came and, and was crucified and resurrected, um, he came to fulfill the law, not remove the law. He is the fulfillment. So you and I, or at least I, I'll speak for myself, I'm not capable of leading that life, that perfect sinless life that Jesus led. I'm just incapable of it, and I will say that everybody is. Um, but because of the saving grace and the precious blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that he came down from heaven, took on man, and this is part of the mystery that we're going to get into, uh, um, he... he basically stepped in for us. So if you're, if you're going to court and you're guilty and the judge is about to give you sentence, Jesus can step in and say, I paid the sentence. I, I, I fulfilled um, uh, his, his life and I am covered and redeemed um, with the saving grace and the blood of Jesus so that God sees us, God the Father sees us through the eyes of Jesus. Um, so that then, when I said Pentecost, that meant Holy the indwelling of Holy Spirit. Um, so what the Old Testament did not understand, because this you know was laid out in the Old Testament of what was coming, they didn't understand the Church Age, and I'm going to show you this, uh, which has is so significant to leading up to where we are today. So it's called the Age of Grace, and only three people knew this mystery which was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I firmly believe that the angels, nobody, certainly Satan didn't understand it because he would not have uh, pushed to have the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So this is the mystery that we're going to get into, and I'll show you scripturally how that's laid out. But these, and then when this ends, and this will end leading up to the tribulation and at the culmination of the tribulation, which is a seven-year period with the re physical return of Jesus on earth in Jerusalem, that is when right shortly after that will begin the thousand-year reign, which is called the millennium, which is the final dispensation here. So innocence, conscience, human government, patriarchs, or, or, or yeah, the promise, I'll, I'll, I'll say, the law, grace, and the millennium. So another way to look at it, I'll go back to video for a second, is you, you can see here innocence leads up to the curse and death. Then with conscience, the culmination of that was the flood. The human government was taken down. I'm looking at the left for those following me on video uh, with languages, the confusion of languages because they all spoke one language. Then the promise, and the promise came, and Moses led them out of the 400-year uh, reign of bondage out of Egypt, gave them the law and the law right up until the cross, the cross to the tribulation, which is where we are very, very shortly approaching. So all these dispensations that you see here uh, on, on both sides, we're getting very, very close to the end. Um, and, and another way you can look at it is, you know, this is, you have uh, roughly 6,000 years um, uh, 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 of life with mankind from Adam to where we are today. And the 7,000th year, uh, uh, a day is as, um, uh, what is it the scripture says in Peter? Um, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. That thousand years is what will lead up to the millennium, that seventh thousandth year. And we are very, very close to, to that end, end point of history. So, 
again, I'm not trying to minimize all of that leading up to where we are, but that is a summary, if you will, the cliff notes of, of where we are and where we're going. Um, so let me just kind of wrap something up uh, in, in terms of the church age and the mystery of who of, of, of Jesus and how significant this is. So I'm going to go back to video for a second. So on the day of Pentecost, think about this, 120 came down from the upper room, and by the end of the day, there was over 3,000. So the same power and the same anointing that Jesus had, and Jesus even says this, he says, the works I do, you will do also. So now comes the writers of the New Testament, Christ in you, we have the church, every believer is a priest. So think about it. The Old Testament, you had to go to the priest. You had to go to the Levitical tribe. Now we go directly. We have direct access to the throne room of Jesus uh, because he is our, our high priest. We, we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been indwelled in us. So because of that, we have, you know, we're not going to the prophet. We're not going to the priest and the kings and, and whatnot. Well, certainly we'll, we'll tap into that, but my point is we have that direct access from the Holy Spirit in terms of the different offices and, and different um, uh, vantage points, if you will, into heaven. Now, Jesus says here uh, in Matthew 16 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I just want to pause for a second, and, and where Jesus is geographically at this point, when he, when he says this, um, is, is an area where um, it was believed that that was the gateway into hell, and he said it right on top of the mountain. People were sacrificed there, babies were sacrificed there to Baal and to other false gods. And he said, I will build my church. I just put myself in their shoes. They were probably saying, what do you mean? your church. What is a church? Because they didn't have any reference for that. They didn't, you know, and, and again, they're just with him for a few years. And this leads up into the mystery. And I'm going to go to Ephesians 3, because I think this is such a powerful, powerful chapter. Um, so if you can, if you're following me on YouTube or Rumble, the video on Russick Outlook, um, unveiling the mystery. And he, Paul says this, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. This is going to be important. Now we're going to go do a lot of shuffling back and forth between the Hebrews or the Israelis and the Jewish people and the Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery. And notice my highlights here. Made known to me by, by revelation as I, have already, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the people in other generations. In other words, it was not made known to past generations to the Old Testament. It has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and the prophets. And I would say, you know, through the Holy Spirit that's operating in those offices in these men. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So there you see the, the marriage of, of the Gentiles, of, and I'll speak for myself again because I am a Gentile, um, 
but I, I, I am joined together at the hip, if you will, with the Jewish people. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Now follow my highlights here. And make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So there you see it. It's hidden from God. It's hidden in God. The angels were not aware. The demons were not aware. The, the fallen angels were not aware. Only Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was aware of what he was about to do and, and what he did. And this is after the fact with uh, as of this writing. His intent that was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So that is really, that's the aspect of occupy until I come. I'm going to read this again. That through the church, that's you and I and the ecclesia, the, the body of Christ, the manifold wisdom of God should be made to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 6 talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and princes of the air. Those are the authorities in the heavenly realms. We should make known to. So in other words, when Jesus said, occupy until I come, this is what we are to do according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he's given us this authority that, that in, in other words, for lack of a better way of explaining it, um, when, when Satan thought he had Jesus beat by crucifixion at the cross, little did he know the mystery of what God had hidden and that in that came billions of Jesuses, meaning the potential, I'm, you know, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the spirit of, the, of, of, of Jesus lives in you, reigns in you. So you have that ability because Jesus said, uh, and, and I'll show you this in uh, Acts in a little bit. Uh, actually, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll save that because I'm going to show you something else that's very cool that Jesus said. <clears throat> Jesus said a lot of cool things. Um, and and let, let me jump to, to the bottom here. And it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine— according to his power that is at work within us. So people I, I know get upset sometimes when, you know, I'll, I'll call, I'll, I'll refer to them as charismatics or Pentecostals or word of faith. When, when they almost talk about the power and the anointing that is in them, I believe more often than not, and I'm not just trying to single anybody out, but they're, they're kind of bragging on Jesus in them, not they themselves, not the individual, the person, but the fact that Jesus has made himself and given himself or us the ability to carry out great things on behalf of him as long as we're doing it in accordance with his word, pointing the glory to him and not to ourselves, that this is not a matter of pride. Um, and, and again, according to his eternal purpose. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, the, you know, this is, this is the aspect of, the, of what the mystery is. And the mystery is that Satan, when he thought he had won, is now encountering the church and, you know, over the years, billions of Jesuses. I want to just cut back to video for a second, point to the top right. 
because this is really leading up to to the age of grace, which is the, and the, the longest dispensation of them all, by the way. Um, but I wanted to point out here that the cru- it starts with the crucifixion, which happens on Passover. Then you have unleavened bread while Jesus is lying in the earth, and I, I've covered what happened in those three days. The resurrection happens on the Feast of First Fruits, and then uh, um, 50 days later comes Pentecost with the indwelling of Holy Spirit, which is the beginning of the church age. My point is, these three aspects, you know, the principal, almost cornerstones of, of the, the, the Bible of the Christian church of Jesus Christ, crucifixion, uh, burial, and resurrection, and, and passing the baton, if you will, with Holy Spirit, um, is tied directly to Jewish feasts, Jewish holidays, Jews, Jewish appointed times. So again, that's, you know, you see the age of grace and you see the, the gift that's being poured out to the Gentiles, but he's also focused on the, the, uh, the Hebrew calendar and the appointed times, staying with mystery. The definition of mystery, by the way, something not understood or beyond understanding. And God said, I have the mystery. Nobody else, meaning Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Synonyms, puzzle, enigma, or conundrum. So, you know, just keep that in mind. I'm going to read this from 1 Timothy 3.16. And, and again, I've circled these mysteries in these three scriptures. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels. So the, to me, you know, I, I think it's hinted at. I wouldn't say it's... Uh, overt, but I think that means the angels were would have been surprised with this. Preached among the Gentiles, believed in the world, received up in glory. The mystery is Jesus received up in glory and the Holy Spirit being passed on to us. Uh, Colossians 1, 26 through 27, the mystery that has been hidden, remember? Uh, it's hidden, not understood, not seen throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints, that's you and I, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. So Christ in you is the mystery. I want their hearts, Colossians 2, 2 through 3, I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches, assured understanding, and have the knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding." So, you know, that is just so powerful. And so this mystery that has been revealed, what does that really, what does that mean in, in the context of the Old Testament? There's a drawing I'm going to show you in a second by, oh, what was his name? Clarence Larkin, I'm sorry. He was a Baptist minister in the mid-1800s, I believe. He did a series of drawings and eschatological frameworks, I believe, not 100% sure. I believe he had an architectural background, um, which helped him see things. And I, and I so appreciate it because I'm an engineer. I do a lot of drawings. And it, I, I find it, you know, a, a great way of explaining things, which is a lot of times why, you know, I do these PowerPoints and I show you some images because I'm trying to help teach. And so, you know, what I'm getting at is the Old Testament did not know the mystery, even though we can look back at Old Testament scriptures and see the mystery in hindsight, see the revelation of it. They didn't see it. They didn't understand it. 
So what here, I'll show you, you know, on, on video, this drawing, and again, from the 18, 1850, 1860, somewhere around there, um, you see that, um, that they saw the cross straight in through the leading up until the tribulation, the Antichrist, because that's written about in, in various Old Testament scriptures and prophets and, you know, principally Daniel, and we're going to touch on that. But they did not see the church age. So you see that arrow. And the church age, again, as I said before, is the longest dispensation. So I want to focus on Acts 1. This is Jesus. And uh, follow me with the yellow highlight on the left. Until the day in which he was taken up, meaning Jesus, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he chosen. This is so important. Jesus is commanding the apostles this. What is his commandment? To whom he also showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs, this is the resurrected Christ. They're seeing him. They're, remember, uh, uh, Thomas touches him, sees the holes, feel, feels that, and he's able to come in and out of rooms, uh, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I love to have been in those conversations. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, this is so important, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So again, Jesus commanding these apostles, his disciples, do not move, do not go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit. Two things to take notice here. One, there's two baptisms. There is the baptism of water where, you know, this, this is where hopefully if you're a believer in Jesus, you've been baptized. If you're not, I strongly encourage you to do so. Um, where you acknowledge Christ uh, and, and you die to your sins and, and you, you come up out of the water. But he's talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit, indwelling of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I'm sorry. So all of the things, the promises of, of what is given uh, or what Holy Spirit gives in Scripture is available to you. So there is two baptisms. And Jesus, those are Jesus' words. So then he goes on, uh, staying with this. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? So because they didn't understand the church age. They didn't understand what's happening. They're seeing the resurrected Christ They're, you know, for the, those 40 days. So they think he's talking about the restored kingdom. Jesus, have you now come back to restore the kingdom of Israel? Because remember, this is during the Roman Empire. And they, because they don't get it. They don't really fully understand the mystery, the church age, the dispensation of the church age. And he says to them this, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his power, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So that's the end of what Jesus says. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven and went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that you see taken up into heaven, so shall he come back in like manner uh, uh, that you have seen him come, um, 
what you have seen going to heaven will come back in like manner to the earth. So that's talking about the second coming of Jesus and, and that he is coming back. But, you know, my, my point here is Jesus is leaving, given all power and authority to the church, leave, you know, handing that baton through the Holy Spirit to you, the believer. And, you know, this is what I find so significant and what I, I firmly believe we have not tapped into um, because we have been given abilities to occupy until he comes. Um, so I'm going to take that and I'm going to lead this up to where we are today because now we're going to go back to Israel and the Jewish people and why things are so important. The concentration here will be on Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. So it's, it's, let me say it this way, even before I show you the, um, uh, the, the video, because I, I, there's a number of images and things. So in this um, few verses, the angel Gabriel speaks to the, uh, the prophet Daniel, and he tells him basically that the time of the Jews that is left is going to be broken up into three periods. It's a total of 70 weeks of years. 70 times 7, but they're broken up into increments of 7 times 7, which is 49. Then it's broken up into 62 weeks, which is 434. Then the last 7 years. So 7 times 7, the 49, the 434, 62 weeks, and 7 weeks. We have gone through historically, verified that we've passed through the first 69 weeks, the last 70th week is the period of the time of the tribulation. So that section of time has not yet come, but is around the corner because that leads to the culmination of the time of the Jews or uh, uh, of Israel. So let me just show you on video. And you see the, the, the key is this. There are six prophetic keys at uh, the top. Seventy weeks of years or 490 years have been decreed for your people, for your holy city, which is Jerusalem, to finish the transgression. Two, that's one. Make an end of sins. Two. Make atonement. Three. Make in, bring in everlasting righteousness. Four. Seal up the vision and the prophecy and the prophet. Five, six. I'm sorry. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. I apologize. Six. And I wrote, I've highlighted them in different colors. So the first starts with, um, this, Daniel 9.25 on the left-hand side. So you know and understand that from the issuance of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, okay? So this is during the, um, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire. So they've been uh, removed from the land of Israel. Until the coming of the Messiah, the prince, there will be seven weeks of years. So until the issuance of the command, let me just say this, we know when the commands are because the Hebrew calendar is 360 days a year, and we know uh, this was on the 14th day of Nisan, which is the day that the kings issued the commands for the year, and this was uh, the decree of Xerxes, and he says, go restore and rebuild Jerusalem. He gives them uh, carte blanche, and you know, you can go through Nehemiah, um, um, and, and, and that will kind of lay a lot of this out. But my point is, it was 49 years, 7 times 7. So from the time he issued, if you look at historically, that is when the completion of the city of Jerusalem was, was, was done with the temple. Then you have 62 weeks of years. <coughs> I'm sorry. 
So in 926, then after the 62 weeks of years, the anointed one will be cut off. I'm sorry, let me go back to, I apologize, top left, 925. Uh, rebuild Jerusalem until the coming of the Messiah. So that's the next. So once the, the city has been rebuilt, there will be 62 weeks of years or 434 years until the coming of the Messiah. And that's where Jesus comes in to Jerusalem on the cult, and they lay down their palms king, and, and, and saying, Hosanna. Hosanna is the king. We know, because that was shortly before Passover, the following week, we know what those dates are. And the reason I'm pointing this out, there was a wonderful book written, uh, The Coming Prince. Uh, I forget the gentleman's name. It was written in the late 1800s. At, at any rate, he did the math. Uh, he was a member of Scotland Yard. He was a detective, researcher. Um, anyway, he did the math based upon the Hebrew calendar. And sure enough, and I give you the, the math down there, we know specifically that from the time Xerxes issued the command to Jesus came in the week before Passover, there was 173,880 days. And if you divide that by... Uh, the 483 years at 360 days a year. That's exact. So for those of you who do not believe, this is written um, roughly, f uh, I can't remember exactly when, so I apologize, at least a little over 500 years before uh, the birth of Jesus. And so this is telling you of what will happen, and it happens to the day. Um, so then you have the unaccounted for time of the church age, which we've talked about now, 926. Then after 62 weeks of year, the anointed one will be cut off. That's it. From the time of the Jews um, and, and have nothing. And the people of, of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war desolations are to be determined. So he's, he's telling you, you know, the end of this is going to be the beginning, and it starts with the peace treaty. Daniel 9, 27. And he will enter into a binding and irrevocable covenant with the many for one week, that's seven years, but in the middle of the week, at the three-and-a-half-year point, 1,260 days, he will stop the sacrifices and grain offerings. So in other words, there will be the temple, it will be built, there will be sacrifices. This is the time of the Jews, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more. Um, but this, this is all happening, and uh, he, he will put an end to it, and he will come in that midpoint and declare himself God in the temple, which the, you know, the Jews will realize that they, they've missed it. Uh, the remaining of the three and a half years, and on the wing of, a, uh, of abomination will come one who makes desolate, even until the complete destruction, one that is decreed, it is poured out, who causes this horror. So I'll just go back real quickly to the video. So I show you this, these seven, it will start with a peace treaty, and this is, the. Uh, I'm sorry, I should say this. The rapture of the church will happen before the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. And, and we're going to get into this, and I'm going to show you, you know, where this is in the, in the Word of God. And then the peace treaty starts that 70 years. So we're going to get, you know, more into it. But here is your priest, pre- and post-tribulation timeline. So if you're following me on video, I say you are here. Then there will be wars with Israel. We're seeing 
uh, what, what is happening today with Hamas and Gaza and, and the other areas. Um, there will be more, and this is laid out. Um, some people think Psalm 83 happened. Some think that that is to happen, but I'm not going to get into that now. But there are more wars coming. We can look at Isaiah 17, Jeremiah 43, um, and then certainly Ezekiel chapter 38. So we're, we're here, and there will be a precursor to a peace treaty for the Third Temple. So you can see historically, if you look around the headlines today, we're close in terms of what's happening with Israel. Eventually, <coughs> the, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, I've been under the weather lately, which is part of the reason my delays in getting videos out. Um, the, that, that, that peace treaty will come because Israel will be in dire need of peace. So you can see the world coming against Israel now. And there will be the point where the Antichrist arrives on the scene. He says, I got this, and I will give Israel peace, and he'll strike a deal with them. And the temple will have to be built, because in the three-and-a-half-year point, Satan enters the temple. And I, and I will say, and I'm, I'm pointing this out here, so let me go back to the video for a second. If you look at the time of the tribulation, uh, so uh, lo lower right, just think about this. There has to be a cashless society. How close are we to a cashless society today? Uh, there has to be a one-world government. You know that they're pushing for the one-world government today. Famines, wars, and rumors of wars. You may say that you know we've we've seen some of these things, but the wars and rumors of wars are escalating on a level we have not seen. Um, if you say wars and rumors of wars and go around the world, there are over fifty-five, I believe, right now. Um, and let me also say this, that with these wars comes famines, comes pestilence, comes poverty. Think of Ukraine now where you see, and certainly in Gaza, where you, you, know, you see the, these, these uh, Palestinian Arabs. You know, um, and they, many, I don't know who's innocent and who's not, but there's certainly plenty of innocent people um, that, that, that are in the line of fire. Um, and, and they're being devastated. They're being put in horrendous circumstances. I mean, I, I pray for them because if you think of them and the bombs that they're constantly hearing, but, you know, you also sympathize with Israel because Israel's, you know, they have people who are trying to literally exterminate them from the earth. Um, but my point is this leads to famines. Think about uh, Ukraine, I believe, was the world's greatest provider of wheat um, and so they have an immense uh, impact on the world's food supply. War comes, war happens, that food supply is, 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 um, is compromised. Um, so you, the more wars you see, the more this happens, uh, certainly in the Middle East. Oil is going up, price of oil, the economic scale. There will be poverty. Uh, inflation is, is growing exponentially, and it will grow even higher. Um, so you see all these things around us. So in other words, the signs are there. There will be earthquakes. People can say, yeah, I've seen earthquakes before. There, there's more earthquakes that are happening in the last year than at any other time annually in history. Um, we, we've seen this in Turkey, in Syria, uh, all around the world. And we're talking six, seven, eight magnitude earthquakes. 
um, the anti-Semitism, the pestilence, the plagues. We talked about how the Third Temple has to be built. The Institute of, of uh, uh, the, the Temple Institute in Israel now, they have all the things in place. They have everything ready according to the Levitical laws, all of the utensils, all the jewelry, not jewelry, um, all, all, all of the things that make up the, the in the sanctuary, the garments to the T, the, 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 the dyes that are necessary, the colors that are necessary for the priests that will be going in there and the sacrifices. All of that is ready to go at a moment's notice. So if, hypothetically, if you have the Antichrist on the scene can strike this deal, the Israelis are ready to build that temple, um, whether that's alongside the Alaska Mosque or, you know, where that is. It's, it's a huge plot. So that will be built. And again, you know, you just look around the world and, and, and it's there. And it also says in Revelation, you will not be able to buy, sell, or trade unless you have the mark. We see this now. If uh, you know, I have a phone. If if, uh, if if I wanted to pass financial transactions on my phone, I could or my watch. Um, so you'll have that mark. Uh, we know that things are being grafted in the skin today, in the forehead, and in the wrist. Just exactly what Revelation said. My point is, all of this is here. So now I want to continue on in the mystery, going back to the Gentiles, because I'm going to take a few moments to talk about the rapture of the church. I will say there are some who don't believe in the rapture, some who believe uh, the, the church will be raptured beforehand, some who believe only half, only certain people will go or will go in the midpoint of, of the tribulation, and then others who believe it only happens at the end. I have looked at all aspects of it. Um, I will say, in order to deny the rapture of the church, you have to do mental gymnastics with Scripture. You, it, it just makes no sense, and I'm going to show you why uh, you know, this is, to me, completely obvious. And I mean no disrespect to anybody who does not believe this. This is not a matter of one's salvation, so if you believe there is no rapture, if you believe whatever you believe, um, but when I look at this, uh, it, it's not only abundantly evident— and one of the arguments is people will say, well, this is just a recent teaching. That, that's, for, if, if I was to use the term commonly used by um, uh, 46, that's a bunch of malarkey. Uh, th this goes back to the, the time of Paul uh, and, and the early church and, and, you know, shortly after John. And, and, uh, so anyway, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53, back to the screen. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. When it says sleep, it means die, go to, you know, into the grave. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, so the dead will be coming out of their graves. We have precedence for this because when Jesus was, uh, Jesus was crucified, uh, people came up out of their graves. And they sh we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Matthew 2, 40 through 44. So will be the coming of the Son of Man, that two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two. Will, this is Jesus speaking. Two will be standing in the mill. One taken, one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night that the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready for the Son of Man coming at this hour. Now, I want to keep going over here. It's called the Doctrine of Imminence. 
and it means it'll happen without warning at any moment. And this is really what Jesus was saying. The pre-tribulation rapture is the only view that allows for the rapture to be imminent in its timings. All other views will require a prophetic occurrence. So, you know what, I'm going to get into it in a second. Jesus repeatedly said that his return for the church would be a surprise. The Lord even went beyond that by saying he would return as a thief when believers generally wouldn't be expecting him. But of that day and hour knows no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Watch, therefore. Uh, know, know, know not what hour your Lord does come, but know that if the good man of the house had known what the thief would come, he, he would have watched, and I, we just covered that. Therefore, be also ready for such as hour to think that the Son of Man cometh. Who then is faithful and a wise servant whom the Lord made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is the servant whom the Lord, uh, when he comes, shall find in so doing. So you want to be ready for when he comes, but here's my point in all of this, and there's more scriptures there that, that I've laid down. If he does not come before the rapture, or well, I should say if there is no rapture, we would know exactly when he comes because we know. So let's just say well, we, we know that um, the Antichrist will com, uh, commit the abomination on the day of desolation. He will present himself as God in the temple. We know from that day, three and a half years later, is the return of Jesus. So, and when we see certain things happening in accordance with the judgments of Revelation, we'll know where we are. So there will be no surprise. So to say that the, the, the rapture is, is not accurate doesn't make any sense. And I'll show you much more reasons why in a second. So it's the type of anti-moment -langu anti language that does not fit a, a post-trib rapture. It just doesn't work at all. So Jesus consistently has warned about this. Be ready. Be ready for the time. Be looking. Be a watchman on the wall. Um, and, and also, you know what? I'm going to get into this now. I have five major points uh, for the believing in the pre-tribulation. So I'm going to put them up here. Uh, Revelation 3.10 starts with this. Because you know you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world. That is the tribulation. He said, I will keep you from it. So number one, I, I have the numbers written here in the green box. Christians are not appointed to wrath. According to 1 Thessalonians, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. That's number one. Number two, in black and white, the church to be delivered from the wrath to come, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. Jesus rescues us from the wrath to come. This letter is one of the first books of the New Testament that emphasizes the second coming, the imminent return of Jesus, the rapture, and the tribulation, and other end-time insights. So if you're not familiar with this, First and Second Thessalonians, that's really all, almost all that Paul talks about there. And it's because the, Th the church of Thessalonica thought that they had missed it, and, G and Paul, that's where Paul goes back to teach them. Uh, number three, the church is mentioned 17 times in the first three chapters of Revelation. But after John, who is a member of the church, is he's called up to heaven, right? First three chapters, description of the churches, the seven churches. Then, then John says, and what happens? John, he calls him up. I believe that's a symbol in of itself. At the beginning of chapter four, he looks down on the events of the tribulation. The church is not mentioned or seen until chapter 19. 
So this whole time that's describing the, the tribulation before the return of Jesus, who comes with his church, it's, it's not mentioned. So that's another reason. Number four, imminent is the word used to describe the doctrine that we went through. Watch, be ready. And again, we would know the times if, if that wasn't the case. And number five, if you look at uh, Revelation 3.10, 3, you know, I say that this is all, all of those letters are, are church, addressed to not only churches of that day, but churches today would look at it. But it talks about a future event. This specific church has long been disbanded or destroyed. The letter was written to all churches. The promise will not be fulfilled until a trial comes on the entire world. And the Greek word from, from is translated out of, meaning I will keep you out of the wrath to come. I'm going to point to something that some people may think it's a bit of a stretch. I found it, and, and, and I don't. So I'm not saying this specifically, but I'm giving you highlights and comparisons that I think uh, point to New Testament scriptures from the Old Testament. So I'm referring to Song of Solomon 2, 8 through 13. I'll put this back up on video. And in the pink and white letters, verse 10 there. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me start with verse 8. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Who can do that? Only the Lord can do that. Jump down to verse 10. My beloved spoke and said unto me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Follow me, my arrows, to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, and I would say that's similar to the voice of the Lord leaping upon the mountains, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Jump down to the green in uh, 1 Thessalonians. I'll stay on the right. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We're meeting him in the air. We're not going up to heaven right away. We're meeting him in the clouds. And what does uh, Song of Solomon say? Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Uh, then if you look at the yellow and verse 13 on the left, Song of Solomon, the fig tree, which is the symbol of Israel, puts forth her green figs and the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Matthew 24, 32, 33. So in other words, the, the fig tree is tender. It's ready to be picked. And what does he say here? Um, now, and this is Jesus. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things, you know that it is near right at the door. So, you know, another sign that as, as Israel is ready and its time has come and its fruits are there, know that the time is near. So I would say to you, since this is the culmination of of the of uh, the, the the church age with the rapture, the church is taken out. The rapture is part of the mystery, and I'll go back to video here. The church begins with an outpouring of Holy Spirit, and it ends with the removing of the church. And I'm going to show you this in a minute about the removal of Holy Spirit. At this moment, the earth shifts back to the Old Testament time for seven years. So, with the removal of the church, and I think this is so important. If you think about Daniel, and I just got this recently, I don't know why, it's been staring me in the face, but those 70 weeks are the time, are, are depicted as the times of the Jews. And again, we've covered the 69 weeks. That last week is the time of the Jews. 
So the church would have to be taken out. The church is not part of this time. So that, to me, that's just another case of, or in support of the rapture of the church, it has to be removed. So at the end of Daniel's 69th week, Jesus dies, the Messiah is cut off, and then waiting for that 70th. <coughs> Excuse me. So you can look at it this way, that the prophecy of Daniel is interrupted, and it is fulfilled in the tribulation in that last week. So in other words, why did God say that last week, or why did he go 7, 62, 1? And again, we can point to what happened there, verifying it. Um so the church is gone, and Israel comes back to its status before Jesus arrived on the scene. So it's almost like you've swung back to a period of the Old Testament because the church has been removed. Also, if Matthew, uh, Matthew 24 talks about the signs of the times of his coming, but if you look at, go back and read Matthew 23, and it's where Jesus corrects the Jews because, you know, he accuses them of knowing uh, the law, but, but basically acting it out, not not having that relationship with God. So as, as wonderful as Matthew 24 is, read Matthew 23 and, and see all of the correction that Jesus gives uh, the, 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 the Jews there. So the Great Commission was given to Israel in the Old Testament, taken from them, given to the church, and it will be given back uh, with the rapture once the church is removed. So part of the mystery outlined in Romans 11, and I'm going to cover that in a second, which is the time of the Gentiles, the church goes up and 144,000 rise to take the gospel to the world. I don't know if I covered that. Um, there was something important that I'm going to go to in a second here. Let me go back to a piece here. I... I talked about all of these things on the lower during the tribulation and the third temple, but six things that stand out. The seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. These are all different judgments, seven of each. I'm not going to go through them, but it's absolutely horrendous what happens. Uh, rivers, oceans, the water, the grass, the fields, people are killed. Monumentally, monumental numbers of people die. Um, this, this is the wrath of God, but the mercy of God is also prevalent in the earth. You have the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 each. Um, they will be what I would say born again Jewish believers, almost like you have 144,000 Pauls coming on the earth. Then there's the two witnesses, which some believe is Moses and Elijah. Some believe it's um, Elijah and Enoch. The latter because neither of them physically died, and the, the former because they were uh, the two witnesses um, uh, on the mountain with Jesus. And, you know, I used to think it was Enoch, and I'm starting to come around and think, man, maybe that it really is Moses and, and Elijah. But, you know, we'll see. And then there's also the Revelation 14:6 angel. So there will be an angel that is assigned to preach the gospel to the entire world. So in the middle of this travesty that's happening all around the world with the removal of the church, evil is running rampant. You, you don't have the church to hold back evil now. Um, God still is merciful. He's still calling his people home. He's given 144,000 uh, um, Jewish witnesses. The two witnesses that can uh, change the weather 
kill people who would blaspheme against them or blaspheme against Jesus, and then the angel. This is all covered in Revelation. I'm giving you the, you know, the basic summary, but you know, it's important to know that during that timeline, it will be so, so difficult. Um, you know, people will, I believe, with the rapture of the church, they'll probably be one of the greatest outpourings uh, that the church has seen in terms of growth because so many people who may have been sitting on the fence, not sure, have heard about the rapture. Once people see how many people are gone with the rapture, I believe a lot will come to realize and get on their knees and, and ask the Lord. But it will be a very, very tumultuous season. There will be You will be persecuted for it. You'll become martyrs. People will become beheaded for it. Think of all the beheadings we see today. Um, you know, of what's happening predominantly in the Middle East. But, you know, Scripture talks about it, and, and we're seeing that today. So uh, if you do not get in line with the Antichrist and with the rulers of, of the world to come, uh, you know, that that's what you have to look forward to, unfortunately, but keep your eyes steadfast and focused on the Lord. So I'm going to talk real briefly. I'm winding this down. Um, the difference here or the, the, the ingrafting of the branches with Gentiles and Jews. Uh, I'll go back to video for a second. So Romans 11, 11 through 12. So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Meaning the Jews and the Gentiles will come together. Grafted in Romans 11:17 through 18 on the right. If some of the branches have been broken off and you through a wild olive shoot have been grafted in among the others now sharing in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourselves superior to those branches. If you do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. And the root is Jesus. The root is the patriarchs. So you see uh, the saving grace of Jesus and, and the, the, the significance of, of the Old Testament. Uh, jumping back now to Holy Spirit, um, 2 Thessalonians 6, 2, 6 through 7. And now you know what is, restore, what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So Holy Spirit is the restrainer, Holy Spirit in us, the church. He will be taken out of the way. He has a role to play, uh, but he will not be, the believers will not be, the church will, will, will be in heaven at this time. So, you know, I go through all of this on the left um, of, of the role of Holy Spirit, but I, if you go over to the bottom right, where I see that big but I wrote, but he will certainly aid the tribulation believers as they endeavor to live for the Lord. He will seal and protect the 144,000. It's written in Revelation. They had, in other words, the angels have been assigned that there will be death on the earth, but they are not to touch the 144,000 that were sealed. And the evangelistic ministry outlined in 7 and 14, plus the two witnesses in chapter 11, uh, and, and I talked about the angel. So there is a role for the Holy Spirit, but he will be removed. So that Imagine the church is gone. Holy Spirit's removed. Then Satan knows this. Satan knows, okay, this is all I have left. So what happens, we've kind of outlaid what happens in the seven years of, um, 
the tribulation on earth. And I'll go back to video uh, uh, here. But if you look on the left, what happens to the people in the rapture of the church? So this is what I want to talk about for you, and, and, and I promise we'll be done in a few moments. Um, what, what is to come for us if, if you're a believer? Well, there is the Bema seat, uh, uh, the judgment seat of, of Jesus. These are for all believers. This is not you're going to be sentenced to heaven or hell. Um, but what happens here is uh, the, the, the Bema seat or Bema seat is the area of judgment that's laid out where your good deeds are weighed against your bad deeds, too. In other words, uh, well, I'll say it here, 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 14. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall, fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abides, which he has built, he shall receive a reward. So the rewards, you know, we, we know heavenly crowns are given, and I've outlined the scriptures of what those crowns are. The incorruptible crown, 1 Corinthians 9.25, for living a disciplined Christian life without compromise. The crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy, for those who wait longingly for his return. The crown of glory, 1 Peter, for being made faithful in the ministry that God has given you. Are you faithful? God's called you to do something specific for the body. The crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians, for winning souls for Christ. The crown of life, James, and revelation for those who persevere under trials for those who love him. Where you'll have many, again, those who are saved in the, in the uh, seven-year tribulation would certainly be entitled to these and receive these crowns, but at a lighter time. So this is before the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are not the bride of Christ at this point. And I say this for this reason. We have to have the beam of judgment seat. So in other words, if we're lifted up, yes, we are washed in the blood of Jesus and cleansed, but there's still that, that sinful life in us. There's still the dark secrets that many have, uh, you know, or wh whatever it is. That needs to be burned off, and that's what uh, Paul is alluding to here. That, so that, in other words, that cleansing, so you will go through the fire. In, 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 in other words, the gold, the silver, the, the character of, of the Lord that's in you will go through the fire and, and stand, but those sinful natures will be burned away from you, will be uh, taken away so that you can become the bride of Christ, so that you can put on the garments, the white garments, and, and stand before a holy Lord as a holy uh, uh, servant of the Lord. So when this all happens, then the church comes back with Jesus, and that's the picture that I have. So, and, and it says we are coming on white robes, so we have to go through this judgment in order to come back and be worthy to wear those white robes. So the closing here is, well, what are we looking at in, in terms of the timeline? And I show you here, we are, we are in the present church age. We're very close to the rapture of, of, of the church. And again, the judgment seat of Christ, I just talked about the Bema seat. That's when we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, and so that occurs during the tribulation on earth in, the, in that seven years. Um, and then comes the return of Christ with us. Then the millennium, the thousand-year reign before the final judgment. And as I wrap this up, the thousand years that we will reign, there's something to consider because people don't understand. It took me a while to, to get my head wrapped around it. 
There will so Satan is is thrown into the pit, uh, not the lake of fire yet. Uh, at the when Jesus returns, um, because he will have it says at the end near the end of the millennium he will come about for a short time in the nations of the earth and it refers to Gog of Magog again, different scenario, um, but he will reappear for a short time and then eventually be put into the lake of fire. Um, the reason for this is because people in the tribulation, there will be children. <coughs> People will be alive in the tribulation that will enter into the millennium. They will have received the Lord, and they will be able to enter into that thousand-year reign. So there will still be that sinful nature that is carried into the millennium. Children will have to still make that decision, and as they rise to be men and women for generations up and through a thousand years, they have to make that decision and sin will still abound. So as hard as it is to conceive that Jesus will be king on, on the earth in Jerusalem, and during this time, there will still you still have to make that decision. Um, and, and again, not for those who have been called, not for you today. You have been called. You have gone through the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb. You've come back holy and spotless and cleansed, which is what I hope all of you do, and I, I get to see all of you one day. Um, but, but this is the process that has to take place, and this is the reason for it. And it eventually, at the culmination of that, comes the white throne judgment where everyone is judged. And, and the, 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 those that are in the pit will go into the lake of fire, which is the eternal damnation. And at the end of that thousand years, Jesus says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And this is what I want to close with, because that's when we enter into eternity. So this final end of the year of, of dispensations going into the millennium will actually start what you would say is the 8,000th year, which is a new eight being is a number in Hebrew for new beginnings. Um, so let me let me just show you something that I find personally uh, compelling. And this is something that I believe the earth is incredibly special. So we, we, so I'm going to read the scripture on the top left. This is near the end in Revelation 21. He says this, John, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was also no, no longer any sea. And people have a problem with that, but I, th I think that's tied to the fact that the seas uh, is, is the symbol, if you will, or uh, symmetry with serpent. I saw the holy, and it's only a guess on my part. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully desired for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling, dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So the culmination of the thousandth year, that's it. And then he says, we're entering into a new era of eternity. I'm closing this, the chapter of this book. This, this is how Revelation ends. And, and I want to go back to the tying of heaven and earth when he says that heaven is going to rest over the earth. 
there was something that, well, let me, let me point this out. Uh, I'm going to go back to video for a second. Consider this, what it says in Scripture with the earth. Earth and heaven from the beginning, right? Go back to Genesis 1, 1, 1. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we pray. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. This is this, the, the relationship with heaven and earth has always been there from the beginning. Two shall agree on earth. It will be done in heaven. The only place you can get your sins forgiven is on earth. Jesus said that you may know the Son of Man on earth has the power to forgive sins. So things to look forward to in terms of our glorified bodies and our resurrected bodies, this is what we will have going into eternity. And if I understand scriptures right, we'll be able to travel at the speed of thought. So the, the galaxies that we see that I believe, you know, the Lord will just then reveal the marvelness, the marvels, that's not a word, the marvels of, of his glory. But I want to point something out here with earth. So on the right-hand side, you see that very tiny speck and that ray of light over it. And this is where I say the earth is so special. What happened in, I believe, 1991, the Voyager had gone on a NASA mission to the ends of the Milky Way, turned around and took pictures of the edge of the galaxy looking back towards the Earth. And the reports of not only the video that they saw, so you can see all of the planets, all of the heavens and the stars and, and whatnot, but all of the planets as, as they look, and the, the ray of sunlight... I'm trying to follow. So here's the sun, and here's the third planet over here. There's the ray goes directly to the earth. So the sun that gives life to us for our, for our, our, our um, nitrogen and oxygen goes directly to photosynthesis, all life forms. That light that we need only hovers over the earth. The sun is another symbol of potentially the son of God um, that, that is uh, displayed in, in other areas of... of uh, um, Jewish studies, I'll call it. Um, but at any rate, so that one little tiny, tiny planet with that ray of light. So in other words, Earth has been given that ability to sustain life because of the sun. And I would say spiritually that is the same. Man has been given the ability to sustain life because of the sun, but it is the sun of righteousness as opposed to the planet or the star of, of the sun that gives life and, and, and heat and light. Um, so that is the significance of it. And what I was getting at, the reports from NASA as they started seeing these images coming back to them, they, the people reported it was like almost a holy hush in the room because they realized this is from a vantage point that they could never have seen before. Not only, you know, it, I, I think it's absurd to think that, that we're not created and designed as there's a designer uh, in the heavens and the earth and, and, and everything. But they recognize that, whoa, this is special. Conversely, Carl Sagan, uh, a, f a famous astronaut and uh, atheist, said this is but a pale blue dot, a speck, a coincidence, I, I believe he called it. But what I'm getting at from the beginning of scriptures to the end of scriptures, as, as we've gone from Genesis to Revelation and all of the dispensations, earth was created with man in mind, with something very specific in mind. Jesus had you in mind when he formed the heavens and the earth. Jesus has you in mind when he called you to wherever it is that you're living right now. You have that ability to be 
the, 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 an instrument used for his glory, for his peace, to share the gospel, to share this because for such a time as this because it's so important. We don't know when the time is ending. We don't know how much more time we have. It could be tomorrow. It could be a year. It could be five years. It could be five days. We don't know. So this is why I, I wanted to cover this in the, in the manner in which I did um, to give you the summary, if you will, and I think I said it, the, the cliff notes of, of, of the entire gospel. Um, so hopefully you were able to get something out of this. Uh, you know, I, I would love any questions or comments online, email russicoutlook at gmail.com. Happy to take them. Prayer requests. If you don't know, if you have any questions about the validity of Christ and Scripture, please let me know. Uh, again, my name is Mark. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.